LL Nation. What's good? Happy Thursday. We in this piece. We in this piece. Tom Davis at SD2 Mics. My guy, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Come on in. Everybody, come on in. Let's get it. We're not messing around today. No, we're not messing around at all. We are brought to you by and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. Welcome into the Tyler Buckner Show. That's it. That's what we call it. Podcast. That's what this is. This is the Tyler Buckner Show, an entire show dedicated to Tyler Buckner. We're going to break it down for you. That's you know? right. And we're going to explain some things. We got to. We got to explain some things. But first of all, I have to give some disclaimers. I am not only a co-host with Malik on the Lucky Lefty podcast, I am also the recruiting analyst over at Irish Breakdown. Anything said today is not a reflection upon Irish Breakdown. No. It is strictly the opinion of Sean Davis and Malik Zaire and Lucky Lefty podcast. I want to make that abundantly clear. That's right. So let's let's talk about how we got here, bro. How did we get here? How did we get here? Wednesday night in my house is usually (laughs) cake night. And, And what I mean by that, you know, me and a significant other, the missus, our favorite shows come on on Wednesday night. Okay. So at about eight o'clock, we cuddle up for about two hours, watch our favorite shows, and and usually fall asleep halfway through the second. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's a nice night. So I wake up to my phone going off, and it's a text message from. Uh, so just so people know, from my brother, and I don't use the word brother loosely. Loosely. It's a text message from my brother, Brian Driscoll. And simply it was a link to the message board. That's all it was. And so I'm like, hmm, this is strange. Like, what's what's going on? And I'm thinking <laughs> there's some recruiting news or something that he wanted me, you know, to tap into. But lo and behold, I, I come up on a thread <laughs> entitled, all caps, Sean Davis hates Tyler Buckner. Not the all caps. Now, we already established on the first episode of and, oh, and another thing, that this is a podcast that might not be for everybody. <laughs> and that's fine. And we, we understand that. But we are all about the authenticity of our content and our thoughts. We also consider this podcast to be a safe space for all opinions and for all Notre Dame fans, no matter where you come from or how you think. 
and we welcome all opinions and we laugh together at all thoughts and opinions yes we even, do even after the show when comments are coming from people that couldn't watch us live we respond to all comments because we see all because we see all and we respect everyone's comments and we want everybody to be a family and we want everybody that watches and gives us their time their valuable time to feel like their thoughts are valued we've created a pretty good safe space at least we yeah. thought we did I mean, this has been a comfortable situation for everybody. Everybody's been coming in, great content, great yep. conversation. I thought yep. we was all on the same page, LL Nation. So <laughs> we ended yesterday's show because I got Demetrius Rex. <laughs> Call who, him out. Call I got, him out. No, no, I got, I got Demetrius Rex trolls us all the time, right? <laughs> Like he says stuff, but then he's just like over the top sometimes, just trying to, you know, get us riled up or trying to be funny. And we know that. And Demetrius Rex and I talk live, and then we converse in the comments after the show. And one of the topics we talked about is Tyler Buckner. It's Tyler Buckner. And we go back and forth, right? So I said all of that to say this, and I'm going to tell you just like I said it about the individuals that were trying to be divisive after the bowl. <laughs> when it comes to my name, I, I don't play that. Okay. My name means something. My name stands for something. And I have to go talk to these kids. But even though I have to cover these kids, talk about these kids, whether they're recruits or current players, I'm going to tell the truth. And anything I say on this podcast, I will say in their face. That's right. But what I'm not about to allow is someone to take words from this podcast and this platform, misconstrue them, and then strategically take it to another platform and purposely tag it and title it a certain way to get a certain reaction. That's misinformation, man. Because if you wanted clarity, there's two things you could have done. You could have commented or asked a question, either live or after watching, under the video. Under the video. We watch, we see it. Or if you really wanted clarity, you could have asked for clarity in the thread on IB message board. That's not what you did. You made a declarative statement in all caps. Not in all caps. And I don't, I don't play that. <laughs> I don't play that. Because you're not about, no one's about to play with my name. And I don't do that. So don't ever put the word hate next to my name in any sentence. That's right. As much as I have been critical of number 62 this year, 62. Don't ever say I hate any young man that gives blood, sweat, and tears for the University of Notre Dame. Do I have issue with their play? Yeah. As a fan, as a fan. I Kyron Williams in the Toledo game saying, yo, you're a senior. You can't fumble the ball late in the game. Yeah, 
everybody gets it. After the Fiesta Bowl, the first person I went at was Marcus Freeman. Dude, everybody can get it. Everybody. We're authentic. We're not tied to any publication. We don't have to have any agendas. Hey, we're here for the fans. That's right. And as I said on the first episode of O and another thing, we're not falling for that divisive BS within the fan base. And that last night was that divisive BS I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. And that's why I gave this disclaimer at the beginning. Because we're always going to say for breaking intel and breaking information, go support Irish Breakdown and the message board. And we want everybody to continue to do that. But that crap last night, and I'm trying to be nice. I really am. I'm really trying to be nice about this. That's why I didn't rock the hat today. Uh. Uh. Nah. We're going to have to call you to the carpet. So my guy CSM or whoever CSM is on the Irish breakdown message board. This is my, my the only warning. Don't play with me like that. Because <laughs> at this point, this is like what I do. I take it very seriously. And more than anything, I take my name even more seriously. Don't do that. You want to talk to me about something? You get an hour and a half every day right here. Maybe even two if you're lucky. You want to talk to me after the show? You want clarity? Right there at the bottom under my picture, it says at SD2 Mics. Several people that watch the show have done that. Had somebody the other day that needed clarity on what we said about Aaron Kearney. Hit me up, inbox, conversation, cordial. At the end of the conversation, okay, I see what you guys are saying now. Done. That divisive BS, we're not doing that. And you can't smooth me over talking about, well, you're on both. It was a way for me to get to both. No, dude. You strategically entitled the thread the way you did. It was a declarative statement. And you weren't searching for answers. You were trying to tell everybody else on the board who I was. I don't rock like that. Get him. Not about to bring defamation to my name. Get him. It's not happening. So I hope he's in here this morning. I don't know. I haven't looked <laughs> at the comments, but but I hope they're in it. I don't. We're not doing that, man. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. This is a Notre Dame safe space to talk Notre Dame football. We've established that, and it's going to keep going that way. And I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's Malik. Nah. And it was an attack on this podcast. An attack on the podcast. That's crazy. But I don't even want to go there. So now you asked for it. So you're about to get it today. <laughs> this is what you asked for. So we also have somebody in the thread that said we blamed Tommy Reese 
for not reaching out to Caleb Williams. And see, a lot of people are really butthurt over this Caleb Williams show we did. When basically we were breaking news. Breaking news, that's all. Because Malik Zaire was the only person that had a personal conversation with the kid. Person. So we broke news. And, you know, sometimes people get real sensitive when it comes to Notre Dame. And, you know, it is what it is. Let me be clear. You want to declare the statement from Sean Davis? Run, <laughs> take this to the board right now. Release the press statement. Let me take this to the board right now. If Caleb Williams landed in South Bend and walked onto the campus, the moment he stepped foot on campus, he would be the best quarterback on campus today. Go put it on the board right now. Put it on the board. He didn't see that put it out there. He would be the best quarterback on that campus. Now, I'm not Nostradamus. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be the better quarterback. Hey, watching college football, I didn't know Tom Brady was going to be better than Peyton Manning. You couldn't have told me that Tom Brady was going to end up a better quarterback than Peyton Manning. Oh. You know why? We give our thoughts and opinions. You know who ultimately decides who's better? The individuals. Yeah, the players. So while you're sitting out here running a flag around for any player, you really have no say-so on who they become. That's up to them. That's, That's up why to them. we told Notre Dame players to stop apologizing. <laughs> yeah. Stop That's apologizing. Just go put in the work. That's it. Stop going back and forth with the fan base. Just go put in the work. You put in the work, the manifestation will come. And then we talk about you some more, but on a different note. That's it. So now, that's a declarative statement. And for me to say that has nothing to do with me hating Tyler Buckner. Mm. But let's just compare. Because a lot of people have said, Malik, you have to understand that Tyler Buckner didn't play his senior season. He broke all these records in the state of California. Kid did this, kid did that. You know who else didn't play that senior season in Washington, D.C.? Who? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. So we're just comparing. We're just comparing. Because these are the reasons and excuses that have been given, right? We wrote them down. We wrote them down. We're going one by one. Yeah. Now, (laughs) Caleb Williams. Didn't start, but he was given an opportunity due to the fact that Spencer Rattler looked awful against Texas. Lincoln Riley inserts the freshman into the game. And for one other game, well, he struggled as a true freshman. Actually, two. He kind of struggled against Kansas. Yeah. He struggled against Baylor as well. He won the Kansas game. Got snatched in the Baylor game. Spencer Rattler came back in. But ultimately, Caleb Williams was the dude. Let's be real. After five weeks, he was being talked about as a Heisman candidate. And see, this is another lesson. <laughs> we don't have to pull another man down to elevate somebody else. Yeah, so if we you do. Love Tyler Buckner. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to throw water on Caleb Williams' fire, dude. Yeah, it's talking about what he's not really all that. He didn't do this just because you love Tyler Buckner. 
Come on, you got to be better than that. Got to be better. Got to be better than that. So we established that they both came into college without a senior se- season, right? Right? That's that's equal footing, right? That's fair. That's fair. Right? He gets the Texas game. What I submit to you, Is October the 9th, 2021. You know what that is, bro? Sound like a special date. Tyler Buckner got the same opportunity that Caleb Williams got. His coaches wanted him to take the job, too. Mm. Jack Cone started the game at Virginia Tech. That's right. Started just like Spencer Rattler. Tyler Buckner comes in. The offense looks great. They come out of halftime. Guess who still started? Tyler Buckman. You go to the fourth quarter. Guess who still started? Tyler Buckman. The coaches wanted him to take the job. Yeah. The same opportunity that Caleb Williams got against Texas, Tyler Buckman got the same opportunity against Virginia Tech. You know the only difference is? He was red hot at the beginning, and then he sputtered. He could take the job. And Jack, because of injury, he twisted his ankle when he threw an interception. Jack Cone comes back in and leads Notre Dame to victory. We all remember Kevin Austin's wonderful catch in the end zone. is one of our top plays of the season. Top play of the season. But that was Tyler Buckner's opportunity. They gave him the game. This is your game to snatch the job. And he wasn't good enough to do it. Because I believe, my opinion, the way he was trending in the third and fourth quarter, they would not have come back and won that game with Tyler Mm -hmm. Butler at quarterback. They weren't doing it. He was trending downward that bad. Now, you have to be fair. Because Notre Dame was Notre Dame all year long. That means bad penalties, inopportune penalties from your leaders. From your leaders. Patterson, Josh Love, horrible on a big play while they had a drive going in the second half. Horrible call, targeting call on freshman tight end Mitchell Evans. Totally took the steam out of that drive. Mm -hmm. But we saw that all year with Notre Dame. It was always something. Always something. Always something with the offense. Always stubbing their toe. And it was frustrating to watch. Something else, right? Because somebody might say, well, you know, Caleb Williams was surrounded by better talent. Okay. Yeah, let's look at it. I would like to cite the the Oklahoman. Oklahoman? The Oklahoman. You can go to the Oklahoman.com. September 27, 2021. Dates. First sentence. This is September 27th. For the second consecutive season, Oklahoma's offensive line has started out slowly. Mm. Does that sound similar to Notre Dame's offensive line? Because I just want to create. I want to make sure everybody (laughs) sees the the equal playing field. We're going to make it an equal playing field, right? (laughs) This is the Oklahoma in September. For the yeah. second straight year, the, the offensive line struggles. started out slow. 
That sounds real familiar to something we talked about. Oh, starting yeah. out slow. Yeah. Let's go to November the 15th. <laughs> the Oklahoma again. How concerning are Sooners' offensive struggles? Offensive line. Where to start? The OU offensive line has struggled mightily to protect both quarterbacks against Baylor as they gave up five sacks. This is November, the middle of November. The offensive line was still a problem in the middle of November. So wait a minute. So Notre Dame quarterbacks had a bad offensive line. Oklahoma quarterbacks had a bad offensive line. Allegedly. That's what they saying. That's what that's what they reporting at their school, not, right. not reporting on us. That's talent at Oklahoma, right? That's a talent at Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma doesn't have a first round tight end. Oklahoma has Marvin Mims. Yeah. Marvin Mims right now is projected to be a second day pick. That's fourth, fifth round. Yeah. Kevin Austin. Probably second, late second day pick. Third Maybe round. Third day. Lorenzo Styles, promising. Yeah, promising. Promising. Very, very promising. Davis, veteran, technician, dependable. Experience. Experience. I'm trying to figure out with all this talent at wide receiver and tight end from Oklahoma. Like, what? where's the considerable talent difference? Yeah. That the Oklahoma quarterbacks had running back Kennedy Brooks or Kyron Williams. I didn't even know the name of the star. Okay, so who who had the better running back? We did by far. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I just want to make even playing even playing field. Even playing field. I'm gonna close it up like this. You can say what you want to say. You can feel what you want to feel. Definitely and you can hope, like we all hope, that Tyler Buckner is the dude when we walk into the horseshoe to face C.J. Stroud. Because if he's not, it's going to be a long day. Long season. It's going to be a long day. And the Lucky Lefty podcast, on the first wrap-up show, after we saw Jack Cohn for the first time against Florida State, was the first podcast to come out and say, start 12 right now. Right now. We said that. The season is going to go like this. And it's indeed a transitional year. And the offensive line is indeed going to be this bad. Let 12 play right now. Right now. Let them play right now. Let them start right now. Because we wouldn't even be talking right now no. if we back then. And we wouldn't really care about, <laughs> about the ups Taylor. and downs because we would expect him to have ups and downs. The same right. way Caleb Williams had ups and downs as a true <laughs> freshman that didn't play as a senior in high school. And didn't play at the start of the season. No. Not at all. So, yeah, I expect Caleb to go through Kansas and struggle. That's his second, first game starting, second game playing. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Doesn't, that doesn't sound like hate. That sounds like a podcast that's looking for what's best for the program moving forward. 
that wants that next step. Because in order to get to that next step, we have to be unapologetic, and that was our problem. We too apologetic for the moves that are not getting us to where we need to be. And one of those moves is something we called out that no other podcast is calling out. Why or how are you caring about your development of Tyler when you're calling people right out in the transfer portal to come do what? But you're not calling the ones that are going to take us to the next level. You're calling ones that are a clone copy of the room that you already have. So if you're going to make calls because it seems like you don't believe in the guy, then make a call to somebody that everybody can agree, that's the bona fide player that's going to raise the program. But we got to be fair because they, they want to build it up, these narratives. Oh, Caleb's not smart. That's why he didn't want to come. Oh, we just want to keep him slow as a backup so Tyler could do his thing. No, 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 no. We want the best options available to win one more game. Do we believe Tyler can do it? I, I believe he has the talent to do it. Are they going to allow him to do it? I don't know. They haven't been showing moves other than saying that they're going to do it, but they've been doing things in the background that are getting us further away from reaching where we want to reach. And so to be honest, I invite the competition. If Caleb came, you're right. He's way more talented right now than what we've seen from Tyler. But having both of them there, somebody's going to come out on top. And that's going to be better for the entire team. So, yeah, I do want him. But he already said he's not coming. So we should just focus on what it is that Tyler can do and what we can put around him to win that championship. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Sean Davis, Malik Zaire. We'll get to your Super Chats in a minute. In the same thread, Someone accused the Lucky Lefty podcast of blaming Tommy Reese for these phone calls in the transfer transfer portal <laughs> and not getting on Marcus Freeman. Let me take you back to the day we broke the news about the Keaton Slovis phone call and played the audio of Keaton Slovis. Drop the facts. Drop the receipts. It was Keaton Slovis who said, I haven't talked to any head coaches. I talked to the coordinator. At that time, Notre Dame didn't have a defensive coordinator. I'm just being petty right there. (laughs) So the only coordinator he could have talked to at Notre Dame would be Tommy Reese. That would be the offensive coordinator. Now, if Tommy Reese made the call for Keaton Slovis, why wouldn't he be the one to make the call for another quarterback? See, hmm, hmm. Say it again. Say it again. Like say said, it again. That that buffoonery and that silliness. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> and we're not about to turn this into y'all. Y'all not being fair. Y'all jumping on Tommy, but y'all don't want to say nothing about Marcus Freeman. Miss me with that. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Tommy Reese is the one making the calls about quarterbacks. Clearly, we Clearly. see it. We know Marcus Freeman is doing his job because he's bringing in five-star linebackers that people said we couldn't get. 
And another reason. See, this is another reason. Caleb Williams was ready to play, in my opinion. I don't blame Tyler Buckman for his up and down and not being able to snag the job when he had the opportunity. No. Because I know who was developing him. Meanwhile, the guy that was developing Caleb Williams has three professional NFL <laughs> quarterbacks starting right now. Two were transfers, and one was a walk-on. That's right. He turned a walk-on. Gold so I have a walk-on. lot of faith in said coach, not only being able to develop a quarterback, but being able to develop a game plan to help that young freshman quarterback be successful. I did not have that same faith in the former head coach. Didn't have it. That's why I don't fully, we've never fully blamed Tyler Buckley. It's hard to fully blame any quarterback. Really? No. Because we keep seeing the same falter at towards the end. It's like, well, where is their transition into success at the next level? Where is their transition into success consistently through the years on a development standpoint? And even where when are we going to feel the guy after the guy? We haven't even seen that. You know, we've seen Clemson do it, Ohio State do it, Bama do it three consecutive times. So that's that's how we know, and those are the measuring sticks that we aren't measuring up to when it comes to developing the guy that we need to take us over the top. So it can't be all Tyler Buckner's fault. Tyler Buckner's really just caught between being super talented and super limited in his ability to to be out there. You're giving people uh, kibbles and bits. He's giving it. He need to eat like a big dog. Until we feed him the right way, he's going to be a big dog eating kibbles and bits, not knowing he can really do something different. And Tyler Buckner's largest sample size, and some might say his best game, he ended up going 6 for 14, completing 42% of his passes for 113 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Yeah, we have to deal with the facts, people. Yeah. I don't care another. Brandon Winbush broke every New Jersey record before he came to Notre Dame. Yes, he did. I don't want to hear nothing about what Tyler Buckner did in high school. That doesn't translate. When he's facing Bama, Clemson, Ohio State in the horseshoe, that Ohio State defense doesn't care about what Tyler Buckner did in high school in the state of California. You in between these lines right here. What's up? You facing off against this Jim Knowles defense. What's up? First first game at the shoot. And you got the crowd because it gets crazy over there. It gets crazy over there at the shoot. So you jumping in here first. What are we talking about? We got to be better as a fan base. What are we talking about? Why are we defensive throwing up his high school stats? Really? (laughs) We throwing up high. Dude, every five-star, four-star. Drew Pine, I think, won two state championships. Yeah, Drew Pine's numbers are crazy. Drew Pine was offered by Alabama, right? Yeah. You want Drew Pine start going into the horseshoe, Malik? Come on. Come on. Come on. You know better than that. Well, if we say that, then we hate him. We hate him. I want a real chance. 
That's how I want to go in there and put money on the game. I'm not putting money on the game with Drew Pine going in there because I just don't know. I just don't know. Are you taking Do Drew C.J. Stroud in that matchup? Man, listen. We seen what C.J. Stroud doing. We seen that. How do you go against that? 42 touchdowns in a season? How you? What do you mean? Who am I going with? Who was it in the wrap-up show after the Fiesta Bowl that said, you know what? Tyler Buckner should have been in that game in the second half. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you? That's that's Tyler's time to shine. If I hate Tyler Buckner, I'm not asking for that dude in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, we would have been comfortable saying, why didn't Jack get more passes? I said it was a perfect time to put Tyler in in the third quarter. We were up. We could have established a run. We could have used his ability to eat the clock. We could have saved the defense some legs. Perfect strategy. We up three touchdowns. Put Tyler Buckner in the game. Get him ready for Ohio State in a Fiesta Bowl. He could get a hamstring injury now. He got nine months to heal. See, this is this is where we get this is where we get to the comments. I like this one. Kevin Green. Buckner never lost to Baylor and cost the Oklahoma Sooners a CFP spot. <laughs> yep. But he was good enough to take the spot when he had the opportunity. That's right. That's the That's point. That matters. They both had the same. Tyler Buckner and Caleb Williams had the same opportunity. Same with route. The same bad offensive line and a same sketchy veteran quarterback in front of them as a true freshman. One was able to be successful when he got the opportunity, and one wasn't. Once again, Tyler Buckner completed 40, 42% of his passes mm-hmm. in his biggest sample size. That was his best game. And y'all butt hurt because we said Caleb Williams today, today, not being Nostradamus and saying next year or the year after, but today, Caleb Williams is a better quarterback. Today he is. And he actually worked with a better offensive coordinator and developer of quarterbacks for a year. But you think Tyler Buckner is up to the level where he is, working behind Brian Kelly, who has the worst record of developing quarterbacks. Of all time. Of all big-time coaches. The worst. Of all time. But you really have faith that Tyler Buckner, come on, man. What are we talking about? What what are we talking about here? Are we that defensive as Notre Dame fans that we failed to look at one of the biggest failures over the past 12 years, which is the inability to get elite quarterback talent and then the inability to develop it properly? It's a shame that there is not one Notre Dame quarterback starting in the NFL. Not one. It is. How are you the biggest brand in college football and you don't have one starting quarterback in the NFL? Don't tell it. Don't tell them the record of uh, uh, us starting in the league. Don't no. tell us that record. No, I don't want to go. I think the last NFL win was Brady Quinn. Yeah. And that was and that was when Brady Quinn wasn't calling on TV. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? Be better than that. Tyler Buckner doesn't need you to be his defense attorney. Nothing you say today is going to determine how he plays. He determines how he plays. 
him and his coaches. That's right. So you don't get to say, well, I said he was going to be good. Your words didn't make him play. <laughs> That's not how that works. Because I'm sure many of you thought, oh, Brandon Winbush is going to be that dude. Why aren't they playing Brandon Winbush? And unfortunately, your words didn't come to pass. So now what? Hold on. Wait a minute. I got a preference to Brandon Winbush. Go ahead. Brandon Winbush played good, but he didn't have the support to support the abilities that Brandon Winbush had through his career. My point you can is, see that they made the changes. That's just nothing. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. He ultimately did what every other quarterback under Brian Kelly did, which is regressed. Yeah. Fuck. It's the same thing. <laughs> even same even thing. Ian regressed. Even Ian regressed. Look at Ian's numbers. Even Ian's numbers got worse through the years. So what is all these all these defense attorneys for Tyler Buckner out here? What are you stating the case for? You don't even have enough evidence. How about let the kid develop and play? How about that? Before you jump up trying to defend him, how about letting him put a bigger sample size out there before you say, see, this is what we thought he could be? Because right now you have nothing to stand on. Nothing. But hope. It's laughable that you want to bring up his high school stats. Laughable. Yeah. Bring up C.J. Stroud's high school stats. Bring up Bryce Young's high school stats. Yeah, those numbers is ridiculous. <laughs> Shoot, Bryce numbers in college is better than high school. <laughs> Come on, man. This this is this is the most ridiculous thing I've seen amongst dude. Why are you defending someone and somebody so hard when what you say is not going to affect who they become? Once again, that's why we told Notre Dame players after the Fiesta Bowl, just go to the gym. Stop talking back and forth with the fan base because their words don't mean anything. They don't. They your don't. outcome and your manifestation is totally up to the work that you put in. Go put in the work. Get off Twitter. Get off. Because nobody cares about what you're saying. Nobody cares. Especially if you're putting up... T- <laughs> Especially if you're putting up terrible numbers, guys. Come on. Once again, in his biggest sample size, and we know all the ills of the Notre Dame offense, in his Mm -hmm. biggest sample size, he put up 42% completion percentage, one touchdown, and two interceptions. And that's what you want to base your case on. That's, That's what you want to defend your client, your quarterback on that sample size, or you want to defend it on a run-heavy package that he was given, which we screamed the entire year, stop developing him like this. Stop. It's not going to be good for him in the long run. Stop. Who was the podcast that screamed this every week? Yeah, we were. I said, you're going to keep running them like that. You might as well get him a neck roll and some elbow pads 
in one of them uh in one of them leg things that the lineman be wearing, so he probably wouldn't have hurt his hamstring from running so hard. We gotta be better, man. So, before we get to the super chats, you can put me on the petty train today. And maybe you all don't feel the same way. But I'm never going to allow anybody to try and bring defamation to my name. It's not happening ever. And that was strategically done, not to create a conversation, but to make a declarative statement about who I was and what I said about a player in that locker room. And I can't let that slide. I can't. Corey D, I'm not sold on Buckner either. Now, if he becomes even a good passer, he's going to be special. But right now, there's concern for me. Corey, yo, <laughs> that's you're welcome to your opinion, man. I'm, I'm I'm done. I'm not saying anything else about Tyler Buckner, probably to the spring game, bro. Probably to the spring game. I don't even want to talk about the practices. I want to see. If we're gonna have we're gonna have all of these defense attorneys out here. Demetrius Rex. Boy, you're a fool. You're a fool, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're a fool. I'll take Kane Madden over Caleb Williams, though. See what I'm saying? This is the banter. This is the fun banter that we always have. This is the safe place that is LL Nation. <laughs> and I love it. Shout out to our boy Demetrius Rex, man. Shout out, man. Let's see. I'm glad you had to make that declaration, man. Just put a path forward of what we are as a channel, man. We, well, we, we have, a real we podcast have, out here, man. We are here for the entirety or for the entire fan base, man. We, we don't have an agenda. We're here for the entire fan base. Everybody should feel like they can come here and say whatever they want and do it in a fun way. We don't want to yeah. be super analytical, man. Say it in a fun way. Speak your opinion. Speak your mind. And we support that. We laugh about it. We joke about it. And we keep it moving. David Carpenter, we appreciate you. Already hit the like before it started. Keep up the good work. This is an important year for Notre Dame quarterback to attract five-star talent. Got to develop. That's another thing. Dude, if you're going to get a quarterback from this 23 class, you need Tyler Buckner. You do. To look good in the offense. Yeah. You bet, you better have him out there putting up numbers because that's huge. what's going to bring those guys. That's what's going to bring those guys. It's huge. He has to develop. Has and it's to. important, you know, and it's that goes on an indictment on Marcus Freeman because he has a track record of who his quarterbacks are now too. Man, look. So, you know, everybody's involved in this decision on who's moving the offense forward. And it plays, and it's an indictment on everybody's record. So, yeah, Marcus Freeman plays a part. Maybe he's not the 
solo individual on it as much as Tommy should be, but everybody's paying attention to that position. And I don't know, I forgot to say, I think we were supposed to have a special guest today. Yeah, Aaron Kearney, yeah, Aaron Kearney, he might be on tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get him to come on. He, uh, you know, he's enjoying his uh, vacation time. <laughs> Taking some more time for himself. I just imagine that the Notre Dame recruiting position is tough just because of, you know, you're not just reaching out to your local South Bend community. You're reaching out all over the nation and damn near all over the world. For us to be getting so many Canada players, you would have thought we was the NBA or something. Oh, I forgot this. And oh, by the way, then in the same thread, somebody tried to accuse us. Uh, I know what they were trying to say. I don't know what provoked them, but I guess they said we tried to use the word melanin. In our podcast, <laughs> some more little divisive <laughs> little stuff. It's like, man, look, <laughs> we're not doing that, man. We're not doing that. You all see us every day. You know what we look like. Yeah, the. It's a melanin podcast. It's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue where that individual was trying to go. But I'm like, yeah, this, this was a very strategic, very strategic post. Oh, I got Corey D already. I know we're behind on these. Yeah, we're behind the chats. We the chats rolling. Thank you for the chats. We're going to answer them. We're getting to them. Because this is. All right, here we go. Mike Gray, the tea leaves are strong today. This is a good cup. It's really a unification ceremony, man. We're bringing in the, the true Notre Dame fans to this safe space. We're kicking out all the seeds of dissension. And we just focusing on the real, man. There's nothing better than the truth. And we, like you said, we're we're homers, but we're not getting paid to say anything either. So it's a real honest perspective, man. You got SD two mics, man. He's gonna keep it real all the time, man. And you know me, you know, you know how we gonna do it. So that's how it is. Demetrius Rex, Silver Line, and Cone ascending under Tommy after BK disengaged with the season. I think we've given. Cone a perfect opportunity to for self-development from where he was to just play the, the snaps that he probably wouldn't get in many other places, and he made the most out of it. Was it something that he – I think we did more of a service for him than he did for us in, in totality. Um, but then again, it was just a great opportunity for him to be able to show his leadership on a young team that's in transition. I think that's a hard task to do as well, to be able to come in so much older than the guys that you've been around and your football experience has been different and the male with those guys. And I don't know how much Tyler and him were close, but it looked like they had enough relationship to help each other out during the season. And so I think Jack got the most out of what a transfer would look like in his position. And, it didn't end up in a championship, but it got us pretty far. So there's something to be excited about. 
what do you what would you be looking to see come april when they walk in for the blue and gold game like what are you looking for specifically are you going to be watching his footwork are you going to be watching his timing with the receivers like what what do you want to see well first thing i want to see i want it to be smooth i want it to look like he's out there just running the offense he looks in control of what he's doing but also be able to flash on some of the the past plays that we have been hearing so much about in practice i want to see some, some accurate dimes some some over the top passes something that develops more than just him coming out there and running a bunch of read option and a bunch of rpo because we know when it gets down to it those third down and seven plus where he's got to read a play and throw it or and look comfortable doing it i mean that's just it's just it's just a lot what i would want to look for but smoothness is the first thing and then also what's his relationship like in the chemistry like with the receivers him being a full-time starter is different than coming in and having a package so I want to see if he's got an early connection with Styles. I want to see how him and Styles are linking up. Is he overthrowing, underthrowing Styles? Because that's going to tell me a lot. And then to see what his his relationship in the in, with his O line is. Are they are they really protecting for him? You know, he's a different person to block for than the Jack Cone. So is Blake Fisher going to be able to track the guys longer than a couple seconds? You know, I think Tyler gives a huge difference. Uh, to this offense being able to scramble around and make plays. So that's the last thing I'll be looking for is just being able to see his playmaking ability. I know he probably won't be able to get hit, but just how he moves outside the pocket and keeps plays alive, because that will be a big uh, improvement from, you know, for instance, Virginia Tech game, where it felt like he wasn't as comfortable being probably what he wants to be. So now with a full season where he's they're committed to him, I'm excited to see how they really grow him within the offense. Bruce Rostar, again, the fact that coaches didn't have enough confidence in Buckner to play him in the second half of the Fiesta Bowl should concern everyone. See, that I think Marcus Freeman spoke to that. He said he was fully confident in Tyler. And on a wrap-up show, I said, playing devil's you know, advocate, I just think they got caught up in the game and just stayed with Jack. And like Marcus Freeman said, like, dude, the lead didn't change until the fourth quarter. So up until that point, they really, man, they just were caught up in the game, and they just didn't see the need to bring Tyler in. And that's cool. They probably regret that days after. Yeah, duh. But. Because even with the win, you regret it because you would say, oh, there was opportunities. Absolutely. To get him in there, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I, for me, that doesn't have any bearing on confidence in Tyler. Like, yo, the package is going to be opened up that first Saturday in September. And we'll all see what's in the package. That's it. Yeah. None of yeah. us will know. None of us. You'll get reports from practices talking about how good he looks and all of this. No one knows what's going to be unveiled that first Saturday in Columbus, Ohio. Nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knows. Because I know it's not going to look like the Fiesta Bowl. No. And we it's all not get to see. Like that. We all get to see. 
honestly, I don't. But this might be Tommy's first time calling a game plan for a quarterback that isn't of the Jack Cone ability. I mean, let's look at it. It's I think that Tyler has more ability than Ian does. But Ian fits more of a Tommy style than anything. So this is Tommy's first. Even with Dante Moore, if we get Dante Moore, that's a quarterback similar to Tyler that I don't think Tommy has ever really called a game plan for. Right. So right. to be able to see that style change for himself, you know, I think some of the reason why we didn't call Caleb is because Tommy like, man, I ain't. That's a lot to be calling for that kid. You know, I got to be in tune on enough stuff that I probably don't usually like to call, you know, and I think that's what he's getting has to get comfortable with Tyler is that there's things that they ran with Tyler that they would never run with Jack that they're going to have to get comfortable with. And that's why we don't know what we're going to look like in Ohio State, at least not until the spring, just because Tyler has so much more ability, which is opens up so much more to call. But when you're not used to having to do that, you know, you're not used to having to call deep shots for a guy because Cone's 40 and under. (laughs) You know, Cone eating on the 40 and under menu. You know, Tyler can push that thing a little further. So now your play style is changing. You know, now we're taking shots to hit home runs instead of just trying to nickel and dime people all the time. So I think it'll be less Florida State uh, calls. And it'll be probably more of a Purdue mixed with uh, something of a USC in there in terms of how we'll look like for Tyler Buckner. It's interesting you say that because I really believe the offense that we see under Tyler Buckner is probably going to be something we wish we had seen with you, Brandon Wimbush, Phil Jakovic. Like, you know, we forced those type of quarterbacks into – a box that really didn't fit them instead of building offenses around their skill sets. So for me, Tyler, dude, Notre Dame needs to be a big play offense. Yeah. Yeah, Because his running ability opens up everything, right? And if we true, to me, the most important thing, the most important thing to be unveiled, even more important than Tyler Buckner, is Harry, he's standing that offensive line against Ohio State. Yeah. Because we're basing that on promise and what we saw from the young two tackles against Oklahoma State in that Fiesta Bowl. So and if even they more are, importantly, if they're truly the studs that we think they are and the interior of that offensive line can create movement, that's going to be the most important thing. Because that's going to give comfort to Tyler Butler. He's going to have time, which means he's going to have open receivers. The running game can go, and you can keep Ohio State off balance. That's going to be the most important thing right there. Heck, Tyler Butler should be able to hit open receivers. Yeah, yeah. So that's the most important thing, the balance created by Harry Heastan and the Notre Dame offensive line. That's the biggest improvement that needs to take place. Tyler Buckner is going to be Tyler Buckner. Yeah, he's going to eat off of that offensive line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what's important, too, is that that'll help his decision-making as a young quarterback. Absolutely. And for Harry Heaston to be up for that job, he's going to have those guys ready for Ohio State, which gives me comfort. 
So now I know that's going to help Tyler's decision-making and not being too stressed. Now Ohio State's defense is going to look, in my opinion, better than what they looked like last season. I don't think they're going to go two seasons looking like that. But I do think that with Harry Easton helping that offensive line and Blake Fisher and them other yeah. tackles getting ready, Tyler's going to have a good chance. Now we talking about certain setups. There's certain games you go into knowing you had a disadvantage, you know, where – you know it's going to be hard for a young guy to operate because there's so many other pieces around them that are faulty. Right. This Ohio State game is really buffered for Tyler to really go crazy. You know, right. I know he may not be as uh, great as C.J. Stroud is just from being able to, to see him yet. But this is the game, if any other team in the country next year, that was going to be at least like, okay, we got everything you need to beat him. Right. But now it comes down to your decision making and can you be a young superstar in that in that in that setting. So it's not gonna be easy because like we said, Ohio State has got still got that staple of receivers and CJ Stroud that's you know, they're still gonna be great. But I think for all the factors included, you know defense is gonna be solid. You know the O line is gonna take a huge step up. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, I mean, it looks like all we got right now is Tyler, so it's going to be a commitment to him in an offense. So now it's t- can Tommy Reese put it together and t- Tommy's de- uh, Tyler's decision-making really come into play where we can score more points. We're going to have to score at least 35 points in this Ohio State game, which will be a huge average difference than last year. So we got to start the ball rolling pretty fast, which is a good challenge for us. Yeah, I mean, teams that felt like they shut Ohio State down still gave up high 20s. Yeah. You know, that's a good defensive day against yeah. Ohio State. So and, and, and Michigan had weather even factored in right. heavily. So. so I expect it to be a sunny autumn day, you know, in Columbus when both teams come out of the tunnel. Uh, Andres in says, you mentioned how the quarterback room is a factor that moves the needle for five-star wide receiver commits. But what do you think moves the needle for five-star quarterbacks? O-line, OC. Well, I think for if I had to speak for myself, I had thought of the O-line secondary almost because I was just so focused on uh being a good fit with the offensive coordinator. I think when you're uh a high school quarterback or even a transfer looking for a better school, you want to see where your talents fit with what that guy is calling like. At the time when I committed Notre Dame, we were in the in the midst between an ebb and still a read option type of deal. So it was a good fit for me. Now with Tyler Buckner being a pretty versatile guy, looking at his film through high school, I think the the fit with what Notre Dame is and how Tommy was running things, I think that was a good uh, example. And then the O-line just being the O-line is really puts those schools – in the back of your mind, it's like an automatic top five choice, having a great offensive line. But selfishly, I did look for a superstar receiver at the time. I said, okay, who am I going to throw in this thing to? And knowing that Notre Dame had Eifert, I knew that a tight end was my favorite in high school. So having a tight end you was, was good because I was like, at least I know we can run and I can throw it in the middle of the field. So I do think offensive coordinators, as you can tell from Caleb Williams, make a difference for those five stars because they want it. They're thinking about the league. They're thinking about three years and out. So they're trying to cram all the information they could get from an offensive guru to get them ready. Like when I was going to Florida, 
I really committed to Florida because Charlie Fry was a first round draft pick, a guy from Ohio, uh, a guy that's like the Yoda of football. I call him the Yoda. He, he, he know all the stuff about football you can know. So in that situation, like Caleb's situation, it was a perfect, perfect fit because I'm like, there's no way that I'm not going to be able to be ready mentally right. for taking that next step after being around a guy like that. So for Caleb, I understand what he wants to wants to do because he's thinking NFL, you know, college is almost an afterthought after a season like that. So he really wants to grind on what's going to make him better. So I don't blame him. But this is also a highlight for us to be like, okay, how can we adjust to what a five-star is looking for? If we can't have an ego big enough to say, oh, well, he just doesn't believe in what we're working with and he's gonna we're gonna show him. If he don't think we got the development, we'll look at our history and then address it. Be like, okay, well, let's get David Cutcliffe as an analyst. Let's let's bring Drew Brees as half media and half be his best friend in Notre Dame. You know, whatever it takes, right? Drew Brees is right there. So right, right. I think it's just a good opportunity to take advantage of what we see other five stars looking for, especially if they don't have us on their list or not giving us a chance. <laughs> uh, Diablo Rivera says, what's the latest on transfer portal? Great show. We appreciate you, Diablo. That's cool, Diablo. Diablo. I, man, I had a son. I actually might put a Diablo in his name. Diablo's a cool name. Yo. That's a cool name. Look, nice I'll tell you what, three more three more Michigan players jumped into the portal this morning. Harbaugh must be out. He I must be coming out this, this Harbaugh stuff is real. It's real. The Athletic broke that story two days ago. Yo, I think Mark Davis is like doing everything within his power to get Jim Harbaugh out there to Vegas. Because they need a big-time coach. They need one. They have to. They got to market their team, build up the fan base out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, it'll be great because I know that we will have a good shot at some of those Michigan players, especially because I know they're looking down on what we're doing. They're only across the street, technically. So with a team that just came off a great season – you know they got some good talent that we could use. And, you know, I think a poaching being that close is is good for travel miles. You know, we don't have to go across the world. We go right down the street. Steve Atron, did I miss the part where you hate Tyler? Hey. Uh, <laughs> We're just saying the same thing today that we've been saying all season, but we just wanted to bring clarity. That's right. To everybody. I made my declarative statement at the beginning of the podcast. You can take that to every board, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want to take it. The press release has been pressed. Been <laughs> uh, let's see. I know we have some more super chats to get to. Uh, Beast Daniel, thank you for joining in today. Question is, who's going to develop the quarterbacks? So far, Reese, as quarterback coach, hasn't shown the ability to develop to develop a quality quarterback. Should Freeman hire a dedicated quarterback coach? 
I'd love to be the QB coach. I know I can get a QB right. <laughs> so if we're talking technique, if we're talking knowledge, if we're talking breaking down deep, look, I got the plans and the game plans and everything. And I would, and if I don't have to do the recruiting, if Tommy just went and did the recruiting, cool. Plus, I played with Tommy, so I already know how he's thinking. I know what he's looking for. Uh, he's probably involved in some of his, his schemes and stuff. But if anything, I'll tell him, look, I would have been the one in Fiesta Bowl on the phone like, hey, uh, I think we shouldn't throw this many times. <laughs> let, let, let my guy Tyler get in there and run a little bit. We could uh, give Jack a break because he out there throwing some some ducks. He, he throw, let's 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 mix it up a little bit. But I mean, I think a quarterback coach would be good just for the the aesthetic of we're focused on having a person dedicated to development. When you just have an OC as just a total end-all, be-all, and your quarterback coach, you automatically are thinking there's no way in the world he'll be able to spend enough time individually with Tyler as well as get the whole offense on board. So I think having a, a dedicated QB coach would be helpful. Obviously, it would be probably hard to convince Tommy, who, you know, as any quarterback uh, quarterback that's offensive coordinator, you're like, man, I, I could do both easily. Right. But, you know, would it be in a – I would say a delicate situation because it's an important year to see a big jump from a QB. I think if any year, this is the year where you want to see your biggest jump for a QB's development because you don't have that obstacle of a Brian Kelly there to always scapegoat to. So this is a fresh eight months to really install what you want to be able to run getting for the, ready for that season. And being that right now, since we don't have a, Super strong guy that's competing with Tyler. The focus should be all Tyler getting Tyler ready. So there's no excuse going into that first game, at least not putting up the points we look we look forward to. Desiree White, thank you so much for tagging in, tapping in with us. Please tell me why we didn't answer or enter Tyler into the game at quarterback when Jack Cohn was struggling. Also, clock management was horrible in the first half. When you build a lead like that, run the clock. Um, I, to be honest, I think that's, I'll, I'll let you answer the rest. The only thing I want to talk about, I don't think Jack Cohn was horrible in the second half. And I think that's unfair. I think Jack Cohn would have been much better if we had done a better job of mixing in the run. And Michael Mayer catches the ball when it's in his hand. Yeah, he had no drops that were crucial. And football is so – I had this conversation actually with my dad, and he pointed something out to me, and he was like, yo, sometimes you're just not good enough to overcome missing your biggest pieces. And he said that. He was like, look, it's the reason why the two dudes – that sat out are sitting out. He said, because they're going really high in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yo, you're right. He was like, so understand. And immediately I thought about the screenplay to Logan Diggs, right? Yeah, well, he got the least out of it. You're Rodriguez, like, I don't want to broke that Rodriguez, tackle. Rodriguez tackles him. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way Rodriguez tackles Kyron one-on-one. Yeah, no way. Because he made it look too. That's a stiff arm, step out of the tackle, and 
like a 30 yard, yeah, a 30 yard screenplay. And it's the smallest things in big games that lead to victory. And it's just that small thing. Kyle Hamilton being in the middle of the field when Spencer Sanders lobs a ball up, you know, at the end of the first half over Jack Kaiser's head, like he lollipops that ball. If Kyle Hamilton's in center field, that's an interception. It's just small things like that in big games. And you Notre Dame's roster isn't good enough, you know what I'm saying, to not play almost a perfect game against a, a good team. And yeah, we, I mean, they're a good team. This yeah, ain't... a good team without its best players or its, play, its top best playmakers on both sides of the ball. Yeah, we were missing so, on both sides, on right. both sides. And that's, so, and that's what you got to see, too. So that's why I said it was unfair to Jack Cohn because we expect that from Jack Cohn. We know Jack Cohn is going to get hot and then yeah. gonna taper off. off. The only difference is for the majority of the year, he was able to come up with plays at the end of games to help them win. He yeah, his pitch count got too high. He had two opportunities to do that. Just. And fail. That's the only. But that thing. shows. But that shows why Jack wasn't the answer for that Alabama, that Clemson, mm-hmm. that Ohio State, that Georgia, yeah. which we were saying this is the transition year because we knew that. Okay, if we had asked Jack to win us his game, he probably couldn't do it solo dolo. Yeah, and that was the perfect example of why he couldn't do it solo dolo because yes, we know he was going to do all right. Right. You know, you throw for 500 yards on 68 attempts, we're expecting that. But when it came down to overthrowing styles, missing a crucial one or two plays, that's the difference between Jack being who Jack is and Jack being first-round Jack. I mean, Chris Tyree had a big drop out the backfield. Yeah, I mean, these are – Michael Mayer catches the ball 30 yards down the line, loses it when he hits the ground. Like, you you have to make those plays. As a team, as a collective. As a team, as a collective, and as a quarterback. Bryce Young is not missing Jamison Williams uh, in that double coverage for the touchdown. You know, he's that, but that's why he was in New York. Yeah. Because it, the difference between a good college quarterback and a great college quarterback are the one or two detailed plays. That's why you always think, okay, Jack played good. Yeah, Jack played good for a low expectation. Of what we of what we already know Jack to be, but right. nobody was going. Nobody thought Jack was going to throw for five hundred before the game. I bet you nobody thought that. So him throwing for five hundred was like, oh my god, Jack did great. Yeah, because we asked him to do that. Right. And we know that he can do it if we ask him. But do we think that he could win it for us? Well, let's look at the small details. He missed the overthrow, underthrow, threw a couple dirt balls at the wrong times. So it all turns into, okay, well, he's just not good enough, you know, and that's okay. But we know that with a guy like Caleb Williams who can miss a couple like that, we also know he can do some things Jack can't do either. Right. Which is which could be the difference in the game. So, yeah, I think Jack played good. But like you said, missing your two best players, one on each side of the football, that's an impact. They're not the best players for no reason. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Kyle Hamilton really covered for a lot of what we saw at the Oklahoma State game that we wouldn't yeah. have seen while he was playing. Yeah. 
So if Kyle was back there, we wouldn't be so bad on Clarence Lewis because even though he might have been getting burnt like that throughout the regular season, we got 14 playing over top. You know, so the quarterback just not going to throw it. And if he did, it's going to look like Florida State. <laughs> Facts. You know what I mean? So it's like, so it's like, yeah, 14 would have had Clarence Lewis back for real. And DJ Brown would have had support too. Mm-hmm. Tariq Bracey. So missing him just exposed how young we are and how like having 14 and is a difference between a top defense and a really good defense. So yeah, missing 23 as well on offense. You saw how it impacted Jack. You saw it impacted the running back room. And you saw it impacted our late game ability in the, and when we needed it. So, Absolutely. and that's who our MVP was on offense anyway of the season. So that's like Jack Cone usually had in late games all year. He had the defense having to worry about twenty three. The checking defense had to worry about twenty three. Checking it down. Checking and it down. So now, who did Jack have it to check it down to? That's why he was forcing it to Braden Lindsey fifteen times. Once he saw Logan Diggs wasn't breaking the arm tackle, he said, "Oh my goodness." I have to throw it deep on my first read or I got nothing. Oh, it's by the way, we made a mistake. We have to make – we have to amend our top plays. Okay. Because as I, I – specifically for this show, researching, <laughs> I watched the Virginia Tech game over again. Kyron Williams had one of the greatest 10-yard touchdown runs I've ever seen in my life, dude. Oh, the spin and the and the uh Dude, the hold truck the gig, got out of that tackle, spun off one, broke yeah. a tackle. I'm like, yo, this dude is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> this, this dude, that's what I mean. Like, if, if that's him on that screenplay, it's chances are that's a touchdown or just a huge yeah. play, you know. It was nobody after that guy, right? Thank you, John Clinic, for the super chat. We appreciate you. So, level set, can you dive into what an elite high school quarterback recruit is. Malik, you worked with the Elite 11 and overtime from your eyes. Most of it is bullshit because these are just guys that are just writing their favorite, you know, guy that's the most hyped or has the most offers. But elite quarterback nowadays is a little tougher to find because so many people are have biased opinions and biased, you know, they everybody's getting paid by somebody. Yeah. But what makes an elite high school quarterback elite is you have to really break down their games. Are they are they big playmakers throughout the game or do they just make big plays? A lot of these high school films have turned into just find the best three or four plays from your game where you're doing something crazy and put it on the highlight tape. And then when you put all those together, you're like, oh, that's no more quarterback. But if you watch the game, he only got three plays like that and the rest is like a bunch of misses and a bunch of bad mistakes, bad choices. So you really can't look at the highlight tapes too much. If you do look at the highlight tapes, then you'll see like, okay, uh, <laughs> you'll see, uh, yeah, they have the ability to make plays downfield. Is it realistic? Because, you know, everybody plays different competition. Is it realistic or is it not realistic? The ones where you're seeing the Don Boscos in the modern day, okay, you get a pretty good look. But most of what high school quarterbacks get graded off of and why they get all the offers is when they go to their camps, the college camps, or when they do these Nike camps, who looks the best naturally? Do you got a guy that looks herky-jerky throwing the football? He's probably not going to be a top pick. Right. The guy looks like Tom Brady just in shirts and shorts. That's most likely going to be a top pick. You know, it's going to be a top high school recruit because that's 
the guy that looks the best is usually the one that is graded highest. And then you look at the tape, they're usually throwing pretty well too. So any guy that looks the smoothest in high school, you're like, oh, okay, that looks pretty solid. Like Spencer Rattler, the best high school football thrower I've ever seen. Like every pass just looked like, man, you just you just got it. You know, now obviously the intangibles and all that stuff mm-hmm. that people knew about, yeah. but it wasn't that big of a deal because you just were mesmerized by how he threw it. But as you can tell, it weighed a factor into him playing at Oklahoma because it was like, damn, you just wasn't gelling with the team right. So most high school top quarterbacks are going to look the part, but if you want to know the best ones in high school, you got to watch their games, watch their their two-minute, their third down, and their red zone tape. You'll know who the best high school quarterback is, but if you're just looking at the internet, you know, it's it's a biased opinion for the most part. (laughs) You can win games. And score points if you develop and build depth along the offensive line. Mm. Notre Dame was good when they had Harry Heastand because the quarterback was going to be protected and the running backs were going to be able to run the ball. That's why running backs love coming to Notre Dame because they knew, you know, if I go to Notre Dame, I'm going to have a chance to really put up some yards. I'm going to hit that second level. Right. So your old line is directly connected to your running backs. Mm-hmm. Whereas the quarterbacks, they're the ones that attract the wide receivers. Yeah. And they're the ones that, that converse on these circuits and at these camps. Like, where are you going? Where are you thinking about going? Oh, man, I got the same school in common. Okay, man, we're going to have to chop it up, stay in touch. That's just. You got to move like the president if you're a quarterback on the circuit. You know, yeah. like, similar to how Peyton Bowen is out there recruiting, but it, it means even more if you're the quarterback because now they can trust you. You know, every team looks at their quarterback, whether they are or not, as a leader in some aspect, as a rallying cry. So if your quarterback is out there moving and shaking and shaking hands, kissing babies and talking to recruits, yeah, it just goes so much further, you know, even more so than players individual recruitment because now you've got a foundation where you're like, man, I don't even care if he can play, but I know if he go out there, guys are going to play for him. And that's going to make a difference in the game when it gets late. Too. That's yeah. the question you got to ask. Are guys playing for Tyler Buckner or they're playing with Tyler Buckner? Yeah. And that's something else with Josh Lug coming back. Yo, Josh Lug knows he's going inside. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, yeah, yeah. Lug, Josh Lug was on the sideline at the Fiesta Bowl watching Blake Fisher like. He want that Quentin Nelson love. Get that guard. That guard love, you know. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, he gets a year to work with Harry. And he knows, like, okay, let me come back, get another year with Harry, you know, and improve my chances, get to the league, and really work at right guard on the interior. And I can make my way into the league that way. Yeah. It's the best of both worlds. I think it's important, too, that, man, I love having the fact that O-line wants to come back and get better. Yeah. You know, when we got that going, that's how you build a stockpile of old linemen. We're going to have them for days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tommy Guns, USMC0313. Thank you for your service. New listener to LL, Sean, my guy. Get into them Chicago ears and get Ryan Day there. What's up, Malik? That don't want no Ryan Day, man. 
Hmm? Ryan, Ryan Day, Ryan Day need a quarterback too now. Because we ain't seen Ryan Day without no quarterback. And when you got a quarterback, for instance. Wait a minute. What you mean? What are you trying to say right now? If Ryan Day. You see my Chicago is just. Uh, <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying right now? All right, if go ahead. Ryan Day doesn't have a top quarterback in the league he's playing in, Ryan Day is just another naggy in different clothes. Dude, he's literally coming to his quarterback. What are you talking about? See, but his quarterback ain't playing where his quarterback is the best in the league right now. Well, what are you talking about? That makes a difference. What are you saying right now, dude? I'm Didn't saying we that. just have a long conversation about it's up to the players to determine who they will become. Listen, I know that. We're not talking about Justin Fields specifically. Okay. We're talking about Ryan Day and what he needs to be successful. Ryan Day was gifted an amazing team already, kind of like the Steve Kerr effect. But now Steve Kerr is not a good coach. That's no, Steve Kerr is a good – wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to say? In the beginning – say to Steve Kerr? In the beginning of Steve Kerr's career, what was everybody saying? They wouldn't Mark give Steve Kerr credit. They wouldn't give him credit in the beginning. I'm just talking about the beginning. Obviously, he's proved his worth championships and MVPs lately. Yeah. Ryan Day was gifted an amazing Urban Meyer football team intact and led by a quarterback that was arguably one of the best in the country at that time. Right. Have we seen Ryan Day without a quarterback that's the best in the league at that time? Because that makes a difference. Right. I don't believe that right now the Justin Fields that we see would help Ryan Day enough to put him in a position where we look at Ryan Day like we do at Ohio State in Chicago. Because give Ryan Day a Mike Glennon. Is Ryan Day Ryan Day? Absolutely not. So we know that the quarterback definitely plays a heavy factor. And a head coach, especially a young head coach. Hey, man, we don't do that passive-aggressive stuff. <laughs> you being real passive-aggressive about, passive about Justin Fields right now, bro. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah. Is Justin Fields better than Aaron Rodgers right now? Say it again. Is Justin, okay, okay. So, so, so what I'm saying is. In fact, you just use those two names in the same Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's because Justin Fields isn't the best in the league right now. It's hard for a Ryan Day first-year coach in a bad situation at Chicago to bring him up from the ashes right away. Right away. Okay, man. I got breaking news I'd like to report. I, I reached out to my people at the four letters. I know it's going to be hot. This is when the NFL makes your job as a producer real easy. Because I don't even have to come up with topics. Like, hey, that's the topic tonight. That's what we're talking about all night. Reports are breaking that there is serious, serious buzz around Jim Harbaugh becoming the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. Wow. So that's why we might be seeing this exodus into the transfer portal for, for Michigan players. There's serious, I'm talking about serious smoke 
coming from Hallis Hall concerning the Bears and Jim Harbaugh becoming the next head coach of the Chicago Bears? It's got to be because who else is leaving after you just went to the Orange Bowl? How you got so many players leaving? You just came from the Orange Bowl, right? I hope he knows he's coming to a team with no first-round pick. <laughs> I hope he knows that. I hope he knows that. They're going to give him some time. But this is one thing I will say. You can say what you want to say about the Harbaugh's. They both know how to put together coaching staffs on, on either level. Like the connections they have, the relationships they have. And they're good with their quarterbacks. I know he's going to have a real – and on top of that, the offense he was able to put together for Alex Smith, the offense he was able to put together for Colin Kaepernick, that bodes well for Justin Fields. Oh, very. Very well. Very well. So, and he loves tight ends. That bodes well for Notre Dame's own Cole Komet. Y'all had nine tight ends last year. What'd you say? Y'all signed nine tight ends last year. <laughs> like, didn't y'all draft two? And y'all had, like, five others on the roster or something like that. Because I remember Cole Komet was telling me, he was like, yeah, they got all type of tight ends over here. Yeah. Yeah. So, all these coaching staffs, uh, Marcus, Marcus Freeman, in a dream world, would love to have his entire staff together the day after the national championship game. Yeah. Right. Brian Mason, special teams, Harry Heastan, offensive line, James Laurinaitis. I don't know if he's going to be linebacker coach or whatever. Uh, we talked yesterday extensively about, and also, uh, in the day before the episode entitled uh, Marcus Freeman is swinging big. We talked extensively about, you know, him going after Mason, Derek Mason for defensive coordinator, who's the defensive coordinator at Auburn. And you saw what he did was able to do against Bryce Young. Yeah. Yeah, Mason, what are you doing, man? Absolutely. So he was a former head coach. He has NFL experience. And both of us have talked about that, just looking at the way Nick Saban operates. He loves to mix young, innovative coaches with enthusiasm, with coaches that have experience as head coaches and also NFL experience on his staff, because that's truly how you develop young guys and start that pipeline to the NFL, you know, that really turns your program into a factory of sorts. Absolutely. Hopefully you can build that Justice League and and buffer his cabinet enough to where he can take on less, you know what I mean? And, and focus more on like the specific head coaching job. And as yesterday, shout out to Tobias Merriweather, man, down there at the U.S. All-American game practices, like mossing everybody all day long. I had to watch much film on the kid, I have to be honest. CJ is putting in work too, though. I'm really mad we – because both of them, we were able to get both of those guys, big receivers that can run, that would have been a problem. That yeah. would have been a big problem. But when talk about receivers, they, you can put them all in a bucket and you're going to grab something that's going to be nice. Yeah. See, this is another one, Gavin. See, man, this is how rumors get started, man. 
John, you hate TB12 like you hate chocolate chip cookies. I don't hate chocolate chip cookies. I just think they're a little bit overrated, <sighs> in my opinion. <sighs> overrated, so harsh. That's, dude, that's all I'm saying. It's just a little bit overrated. That's funny. Somebody said I'm going to end up wearing the Tiger Woods red daily. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that is a, by the way, bro, I agree. That is a sick hoodie you got on today. Hey, thanks, man. Throwback 2015, man. A lot of hey, people in chat. Yeah, that's a sick hoodie. Tommy Guns, once again, please give Ryan Day to Chicago. Malik, man, I cried with you in 2015. First time listening. Good. You know what? I never asked you this, bro. And if you don't want to share, that, that's cool. Like, did you? I'll keep it a buck, right? And maybe this was just wishful thinking. Like, I saw you go down, right, on the run against Virginia. And initially, I'm like, oh, snap, he, he rolled his ankle. That was like what I thought initially. I'm like, oh, they rolled up on the back of his ankle. He rolled his ankle. And I think it wasn't, you know, this is why I hate replays on, on, on uh, games. They go to the slow mo, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like in that moment, are you just trying to get through the pain, or like, is everything like flashing? With like, are you thinking about like the season? Like, dang, I'm not gonna get to play. Like, in that moment. Yeah. In the in the moment, I was hoping I just rolled it. I was like, "Please tell me I rolled it. Please tell me I rolled it," because I didn't really, you know, I wasn't hurt until like, because I had stood up right after. Right. So I was like, "Please tell me I rolled it." And then when I put it down, I was like, "Damn, I'm missing Clemson." That's the only thing I could think about in that moment was, "Damn, I'm missing the damn Clemson game." Because I was That's just talking to, up. I was just talking to the boys in the locker room. I said, "Look, we'll get through Virginia real quick." Georgia, Georgia Tech would be good, even though at the time Georgia Tech put up like 80 points on some, some terrible team. But I was like, look, we get to the Clemson game, we win that. Because this at the time I was talking stuff like, it don't matter where we play Clemson, we can play them on the moon and we'll beat them, you know, that type of thing. Right. So I was really looking forward to the Clemson game. And as soon as I broke my ankle, I was like, we're not gonna, I'm not going to play Clemson. It's probably the end of my life. You know, I was so pissed, you know, I was right. so pissed. And then just finishing the game that we was in, because at that time, Oh, this Virginia game is annoying. We should be blowing this team out. Mm -hmm. And we had just, you know, just scored the touchdown. I just had the huge run to get down there. We were about to score again. Try to put the nail in the coffin early. But, you know, it ended up being a great finish. Uh, you know, shout out to Sean finishing that game. But, oh, man, it was just I, the Clemson game was the thing I thought about the most. And uh, You got to get Sean on the podcast, man. He's going to work with NIL. Yeah, yeah, we got to get him on the podcast. Get him on the podcast. Definitely got to do that. Uh, let's see, another one from Old Grim. We appreciate you. Thank you for the super chat. Just to let you know how much I like your show, big ups. We appreciate that. Yeah, guys, Michael Johnson, Kevin Grayman, Eric Fisher, uh, DBZ, Day Ones. We appreciate you guys. See Melvin Whitney in the piece. Somebody asked about Ev. 
in the chat. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Justin Knox, I love Kyron as much as the next guy, but number 20 wasn't missing any tackles. Bertrand could have taken a page out of that kid's book in the Oklahoma State game. Would have stuffed a lot of those, their long drives, in my opinion. I totally disagree with you. We have uh, we have tape of Kyron Williams breaking tackles of the best linebackers in America all season long. So that dude wasn't, I don't care how good he is, he's not tackling Kyron Williams one-on-one. And that was, yeah, a, that was an ankle tackle. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, tackles Kyron the dude, the dude didn't want to tackle him. No. That's, how he, that's why it was so, like, pathetic. It was like, dang, he didn't even really want to body you up or nothing. He got your ankle. Like, ankle tackle. Know. He's not ankle tackling. I got Kyron. He's just mm-hmm. not. I don't care how good he is either. I, I agree with you on that. He ain't tackling Kyron. No, not one-on-one. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday with the BC. Once again, Derek Mason, a couple of other uh, candidates. Really, only two candidates. Uh, Derek Mason is my vote. Uh, oh, forget the last name. We get Derek Mason. Peacock from Iowa State. Also, Al Golden and Chris Golden. and Chris Ash. Yeah. Yeah, Nolan, he, you know, my boy was being passive aggressive. I was just trying to bring, just get to it. You know, Malik does that sometimes, man. I have to tell him to get to it, man. He he was low-key trying to throw shade. <laughs> and I'm like, man, just 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 throw the shade and you know, shade. He to rocks and then put his hand behind his back. Like, <laughs> like come on, man. This boy shade on Ryan Day. I think Justice Fields is just, you know, he on a Tough situation right now. Oh, I totally, I totally, I totally agree with that. And he definitely ain't got no good leaders having Andy Dalton <laughs> breathing down your back all day. Andy Dalton still thinking he got it. So it's hey, like, man, man, sit down, right Andy Dalton. Look, man, just because Joe, <laughs> just because Joe Burrow and the Bengals popping right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, you got to bring Joey B. You talk about the AFC North? You talk about the king of the AFC? See, there you, that, that's, the, that's, that's why you're talking crazy. See, that? I knew that was the reason why you're talking crazy. I'm like, man, your boy's popping right now. You talk about Joey B? Big stuff. Oh, man, come on, man. You ain't talking about those guys. Those guys are in the playoffs. You, worry about them. <laughs> you and your boy, Jordan Cornette. Look, y'all, you boy, saw- y'all, y'all got the megaphone out now. Man, I know you saw Joey B just making it look easy. He throwing 500 yards and winning the game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Joey B not wanting to play with. Man. And they said he and they said he liked Dayton too. I, I mean, I don't know about I gotta confirm that, but allegedly he a Dayton fan, so you know. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, Troy McIntosh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh was a uh, uh, he was drafted by the Bears. Played for Dicka, long-time quarterback with the Bears. Yep. Terry Moore. I'll take a few of those Michigan O-line no boys was blocking this year, and they look like monsters. Red Sports Talk with Alex was good. Tonight on IB, Sean Davis hates Jim. Now they messing with you. Hey man, look. 
it's 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 I love LL Nation. Love LL Nation. <laughs> so Brandon Plinzer, what's up, Brandon? I think I had a conversation with Brandon another uh, another day um offline about yeah. the podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, it's just we're just authentic, man. All four and walking stepdaddy ain't gonna be alone for the ride with him anymore. Possibly all those daily chats with nothing. <laughs> you know, hey, players mess up too, that, man. Marion Walker, you can come on back. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah, my son talks to Jim Harbaugh every day. All right. Yeah. Meanwhile, on line two, Hallis Hall. <laughs> Yeah, he get right off the phone. All right, what's the Raiders talking about? Hey, what Jim. the Raiders talking about? What are we, what, what are we doing? After the Bulldogs blast y'all in that semifinal, go ahead and pack, bro. Yeah, y'all need to y'all need to remember that these coaches are getting paid now. They're not just calling because they really, really interested. You know, they only interested as long as that check fill in the pocket. Uh, David Jones, we have LL swag we can buy. It's on the way. We figured out the phrases, you know, we got so many. Yeah, we were talking about the five phrases we're going to start with last night. We got, yeah, we definitely have a lot. <laughs> we definitely have a lot. Yeah, I agree with you all. Derek Mason, yo, Derek Mason and then Wiggins for wide receiver coach would be the dream combination. Look, we can do it. Uh, let's see. One more for you. Q Kibbs. Q Kibbs 97. Can we talk about the physical changes Buckner needs to make in the offseason? I think he's got a good size on him. I would love to see him add a little bit more frame. Just yeah. just fill out each of vegetables. You know, when you with Bayless, you definitely are in a good spot. Bayless gonna know what to do to get you right. Obviously, I, I always will promote get his lower body together, get his core strong get his hip flexors together, to be able to rotate from the body and not from the arm, get your feet faster in the pocket, you know, be a little more nimble. I would love to see you go out of bounds a little bit more instead of you getting tackled and the whole dirt be stuck in your helmet, you know, that crazy. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, get your QB swag right. You know, right. You know what I'm saying? Don't be having your – them fixing your pads every time. It just doesn't look good as a QB, but – Physical standpoint, I think year two is going to be a good jump for Tyler. Yeah. You know, especially that's just how, how the body grows in that that's freshman, sophomore year. So, you know, don't take no creatine because you're going to get more hamstring injuries. So I don't know if that was the the the, the secret to the non-success. But don't be taking no damn creatine. <laughs> uh, here's the question. I think you were talking about little Zub. What's good? Malik, what is your experience like? With Everett Golson, how do you how do you think Buckner compares to him when they were young? Man, I love Ev, man. I think that Ev should have been in the league right now. I think he had the ability to do that. So many different factors, you know, go into, you know, why, you know, it didn't happen. I do think that uh, Ev somewhere else, I think if he was he, – he just – the personality to be a Notre Dame quarterback – I don't think that was just Ed's personality, you know. So I think it was a little harder to fit in that realm. But from a talent standpoint, man, Ed definitely got it. I love Ed to death, man. He always was a great competitor. You know, he was like the big brother that that uh, 
you know, always wanted to be the big brother. <laughs> so, so, you know, you can never do nothing to really impress him because he would always try to compete with you, which was, which was always good for me as a, at a young age. Clearly, we all know he can throw the ball really well, so that always kept it fun in practice. And um, I think just the tension that Brian Kelly created on just the whole competition thing, it kind of got in the way of things because uh, it's just hard. You know, every day you got to wake up and try to outdo a person to, for an opinion that, you know, we don't even think is right all the time anyway. So yeah. I think that uh, overall, you know, it's a shame he didn't get to work out as much as it should have. I thought Ev definitely was the closest outside of what I thought I could have did myself to winning a championship for the school. Yeah. Um, I think that year he took off, obviously messed up a lot of the momentum, but uh, how he compares to Tyler, I think they're totally different guys. Ev never liked the run, so you would have never had Ev tear no hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen enough of Tyler to throw – like, you know, Ed was a bona fide, man. Ed was bona fide yeah. as a thrower. I think he was, you know, top three or four of the uh, guys I've seen throw the football, you know, personally. Does Tyler have an arm like Ed? If he did, he'd be starting. Because then you add his legs, Tyler would damn near be the best quarterback out here. Yeah. You know, so no, I don't think they relate as much. But, shoot, I think Tyler can throw that thing pretty well. And hopefully we see more of that in the future. But Ev was definitely uh, in his own lane on that. On that. Uh, let's just see. This one tonight, Peter Conley. The chances of getting Dante Moore are less than fifty percent. If Jackson Arnold wants to commit, I'll take him. A bird in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. You can take that one, bro. I don't want. I hate Jackson Arnold. So I don't I mean Jackson Arnold, I mean, I don't like I said, I like I like the explosive plays, but you know, Texas quarterbacks are real hit and miss, man. Like they could be super athletic and make some highlights, but be terrible decision makers when you need them. So you get a bunch of five and five quarterbacks, you know. So I, I think he has a lot of potential, but I know Dante was be a better fit mm. just for just even being a Midwest kid and and, yeah. and knowing what it's like to be in the cold uh, and just being a, a more of a grittier player. But I think either one would be good if we could shape them right. Shit, if we can't make none of them better than what they are coming that, in. And you know matter. what? <laughs> that really is, once again, if – and I'll go out and say this. Tyler Buckner would be much better today as a quarterback if he had spent his first year under Lincoln Riley. Oh, facts. 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 So that's why we feel safe in saying what we say about him and Caleb Williams. More than that's anything. A great way to, that's Caleb, a great way to end that. Caleb spent the year with Lincoln Riley. And that's why Caleb's about to get paid millions of dollars on the free agent wire because he's got that. He, people already know. You've been to Lincoln? Oh, you must be worth something. That MF, yeah, the MFT. They're giving us the T-shirt ideas in the chat. That MF T-shirt. <laughs> MF era, man. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Plinser says, can we get a Petty Train collection going on in the store? <laughs> with Mary Poppy Petty Train riding. Put different people's faces on the train? Oh, uh, we might have to. <laughs> we might have to. 
See, y'all giving us ideas is slowing up the uh, the, oh, the product. Yeah, number one would have to be that cat BK is the conductor, though. Oh yeah, he's leading the train for sure. He might be on every shirt just because you know he's leading that train no matter what. <laughs> oh man, I don't know if I put sixty two on the petty train shirts, man. Nah, we only get the five. He'd be a five second, uh, the five second edition. Man, I don't. Yeah, I. Good man, look. Thank you for your service, my man. Yeah, thank you. Thank it, ain't, you. it ain't easy playing for us, you know. So, thank you for your service, sixty-two. We appreciate what you gave us, man. That's it. And last thing, too, shout out TB, man. All about TB. Had to show love, man. We encourage you to do well. And we hope that that was clarity made or given today. Yeah. For everyone. And we encourage you, subscribe, share, like. Everybody, hit the like button. Hit the like button. Like we said, we're here for all Notre Dame fans. We create a very safe space for Notre Dame fans to chat, express themselves, and have fun with it. Like, That's right. Don't be super analytical about it. Just keep it real. Keep it a buck. Have fun with it. And we enjoy LL Nation. We enjoy everybody that gives us a piece of their day because we know your time is valuable. And we respect that. And your comments we respect. We respond after the show. We're going to continue to do that as we keep going on a daily basis. And uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate everybody that taps in to the Lucky Lefty podcast. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic? right here uh the petty train is going to tennis today i don't know if you saw this story bro tennis star novak djokovic is possibly being deported from australia today this story is crazy man so stay with me for a second he got a medical exemption from the vaccine to be able to come and play in the Australian Open. And he got it from the federal government. The state or the region of Victoria, where the tournament is played, we'll just say 90% of the people in Australia have been vaccinated. Australia believes very heavily in science and 90% of the people there are vaccinated. So of course, when they hear that a big time superstar is getting a pass on being able to come into Australia, do his business on the sports side without having the vaccine, it raised a lot of flags. A lot of people, a lot of residents of Australia were upset. Well, 
Novak Djokovic and his people sent over the wrong paperwork to receive the pass, right? So when they got there and they were stopped at the border and they were told like, yo, we hear what you're saying, but this is the wrong paperwork. Like you're gonna have to get the other paperwork. Otherwise we're gonna have to deport you. <laughs> so, so Novak Djokovic and his people are mad. His dad referred to Novak Djokovic as Spartacus. Oh, like he man. got deep with it, Greek mythology, and like he's Spartacus. He shall come back from the dead and all of this. And I'm like, man, yeah. see, it's what you call wealthy people problems, bro. Yeah. It's like, what are we talking about, man? My like, number one, if you filled out, if your people filled out the wrong paperwork, that's on you. That's on you. Number one, you can't get mad with Victoria and his leader saying, nah. It's not our job to make sure you get a pass on the paperwork. That's the federal government's job. And the federal federal government is trying to pass the buck to the, the legislation in Victoria. Like, no, nah, man, y'all can just let them play. And they're like, no. No, he doesn't have the proper paperwork. Send his tail back home. And it's just, it, it, dude, it's like, man, stop. Nobody's being persecuted. So you could throw Novak Djokovic's dad on the petty train. Throw Novak Djokovic and his people on the petty train. Throw the federal government of Australia trying to pass the buck to the local <laughs> legislation on the train. And everybody's petty, man. It's like, dude. And then everybody's trying to figure out now how he got the pass. Like, what doctor did you see? What Australian doctor gave you the pass? It's getting too deep, man. So basically, this cat Novak Djokovic went out there and got a, a fake VAX card or a fake VAX, excuse me, card to be able to play in the Australian Open. It's like, come on, man. All of this is petty. All of it. Because why do you, why do y'all have a much all this stuff going on? Y'all got a, that much time to do all of that. Wealthy people problems, man. Man. And also, <laughs> we have to celebrate one of the pettiest coaches ever. Happy birthday to Notre Dame legend Lou Holtz. Happy birthday, bro. We still holding on to the last piece of uh <laughs> glory that you brought this university. That's right. And hopefully we'll have some of that similar glory soon in the near future. But happy birthday to the legendary Lou Holtz, who was the pettiest. He was one of the pettiest coaches, man, based upon stories I hear. That's right. He was petty to his own players, petty to the other teams and pregame speeches. Like, yo, shout out to Lou Holtz. We have one more super chat. Raheem Pelham, random question. Malik, can you tell us how good Greg Bryant was? Man, my best friend on the team, a guy that was rare because everybody around him wanted him to do well. Uh, it's just electric, man. That, that time me and him was in the game for USC when we were down, I felt like we were just, you know, us two out there by ourselves, man. We was able to do a lot of good things and, you know, uh, a lot left to be desired. Uh, and what could have been, should have been, man. We was like Pat White and, and – uh, it wasn't Pat White and Michael, uh, what was his name? I forgot, been so long, but, man, a special player all around. Like I said, man, I've never been around such an infectious person like Greg Bryan was, and my best friend for a reason, man. I wish we could have had more games again. Um, yeah, 
I always go back to that USC game, man. You know what I mean? In 2014, at the end of the year, when you and him finally got like that second half. Well, he, he was cooking. Oh, yeah, I was like, look at the youngsters cooking, boy. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we was up and down the field, up and down the field. So, Yo, never met him, but he just struck me as, as somebody that had the gold tooth, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the first. He's the first player in the history to wear him in the game. Oh, word! I, I, I say I haven't seen nobody else with him. He wore him in the game, ran a touchdown, got a picture with it. It's documented. It's, it, it's I know there was a couple of well, Ezra James wore his in the game in Miami. I know that for a fact. Right. I'm saying at Notre at Dame. Notre Dame, at Notre Dame Stadium? Yeah. 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 First with the grills in the game. Real. Gold helmets and gold teeth. <laughs> no, straight up. Shout out. Man, man. Shout out to him. Uh, let's see. Oh, Brandon Plinser, I have to answer this question. Oh, behind the steady train, intro. All right, cool. Of course, being a producer, one of my, uh, yo, imaging is like one of my biggest strengths. That's why I go to my uh, bio on Twitter. I call myself the Picasso of the boards. <laughs> because I love putting, you know, putting together opens and rejoins and like, yo, I love doing that. So we came up this idea. It was a joint idea between myself and Jonathan Hood for this segment on his show. And my guy, who is a DJ, and he's also a DJ for the Chicago Bears. Shout out to my boy Jay Illa, one of the illest DJs in Chicago. That's my guy. I went to him and I was like, yo, I got this idea. Um, you know, Petty Train, you know, this show called Petty Coat Junction. Like, man, I want you. I gave him the songs. I had an idea. I was like, I need you to mix it and re help me remix it. And with him, and of course, you know, the voice, not just ESPN, he voices Jim, Jim Cutler is a legend. He is a legend. Jim Cutler voices not just for ESPN, but stations all over the world and products all over the world. So I think he does like Ford, uh, Mazda. Like he's a beast. And his wife, she's a beast as well. Wow. They both are beasts in the game. So, um, yeah, you know, he's just, you know, you, we sent them over like what we wanted him to say. He sent it back and voila you have the open and you know what I mean? it is good too you know, i asked like yo can i use it on my podcast since we're not using it anymore on the radio he was like yeah go ahead and uh that means i had to take out certain things because of course in the original it's like you know the show name mm -hmm. on espn radio so i had to take all of that out clean it up and then, you know, we got we got the product producer for Lucky Lefty. So that's the that's the story. That's Legend. The story. So shout out to uh, one of my mentors, Jonathan Hood, uh, for the original conception and talking about it and you know giving us the love to use it. Jay Illa, one of the dopest DJs in Chicago, for what he brought to it, and then Jim Cutler for just being that voice. That's real. And there you have it. That's the petty train. 
It's a petty train, man. Thanks, guys. No, we can get down. I love the train. Uh, let's see. Are we going to Vegas for the BYU game, bro? Shoot. I guess we can. It's not like we're going to have a, a crowd out there, man. We'll do a couple live shows. <laughs> hey, we appreciate it. Appreciate it, everybody. Don't forget subscribe, subscribe, share, like, subscribe, share, like. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Definitely hit the like button. Hit the like button. Let everybody know we're here each and every morning, 9 a.m. Central Time for you right here. And everybody's asking about these quarterbacks. Once again, every the top five quarterback offers in the 2023 class, Malik. It'll be full video on all five. On so we all answer five. all questions. We answer all questions. So we broke down film. We talked about them. And I think I'll put it on and rerun it live, rebroadcast it sometime this week. So it can Ooh. be up there for everybody to see. We'll let you know when we'll run that because everybody – He's asking us, and like, man, we did it. Man, we did it back in like what September? Yeah. We started looking forward to the 23 class. So I think it's Jackson Arnold, Avery Johnson out of Kansas, uh Nico, Dante, and who am I missing? I, I think it was five, right? Uh we'll get it. They change every day down there. Yeah. All right. So appreciate you guys. See you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. right here. For my man Malik Zaire, the original lucky lefty himself at Overtime Malik. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. As always, spend it different today. We'll see you tomorrow. See you guys.